In some people's minds, giving, that's the crescendo moment of Christianity. And like Jesus said, no, that's, that's a ground zero. That's, that's home base. From there you go on. So if you understand the principles of tithing, whenever you tithe, God promises, prove this to me. He said, give a tenth of your income and see if I don't pour out a blessing of heaven so great that you cannot stand it. Uh, and I got to tell this story. A few years ago, I always preach money messages but the week before Thanksgiving, trying to help my people not go crazy on Black Friday and go into debt for the next year. And uh, I was preaching on tithing and the blessings of that. And, uh, you know, just the same old thing. People don't jump up and clear, shout, shout and clip, you know, cheer for tithing messages. Anyway, the following Sunday, I'm, you know, going back into a series and a lady comes up before church and she says, I was here last Sunday. I said, great. She said, you preached on that tithing thing. I said, oh, she said, I did it. I said, really? She goes, yes, I gave $64. Because I said, tithe off your take home. Don't try to figure out taxes, retirement, FICA, and all that. Keep it simple. And apparently her check was $640. She said, I wrote a check for $64. It's the first time I've ever done anything like that in my life. I said, well, good for you. I'm, the Lord will bless you eventually. She said, he did. I said, really? She goes, yes, Black Friday. I went to North Star Mall. I got there early, and they were giving away 500 gift bags. And I opened it up, and there was a gift card, a Visa card, for $500 to be spent anywhere in the mall that day. She said, I couldn't believe it. I gave God $64, and he gave me $500. <laughs> I said, it doesn't work like that all the time. You know, don't be looking for a, you know, a 100% return on your investments. But, <laughs> but she was just, and she was a single mom struggling. I said, the Lord promises he'll take care of us. So if you're a tither, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, I would say test the Lord in this area. Just say, Lord, your word says it. Malachi uh, 3.10, get, test the Lord in these things. I've, I've been tithing since I was 18. Got my life straight with the Lord. And uh, I was working construction and had always given a token dollar. And the plate came along and I opened my wallet. And there were some fives and tens. And my take home was about 200 back then. And it was that moment of truth. And I thought, God, 20 bucks. I got it out. And there was a plate holding the plate. And I got the 20 and tried <clears throat> and let it go. And there it floated in the plate. And there it went. And the next Monday, my boss says, Robert, you're so amazing. We're making you superintendent of the job site. That didn't happen. No. <laughs> Nothing happened. He just said, Aggie, there's your spot. Get over there and do your job. So, but it's the first time I said, okay, Lord, and God is always blessed. So I would challenge you in that, not even a message on that, just a, a little reminder that Jesus said you should tithe, yes, but don't forget the more important thing. So anything you give to us, we'll use to spread the good news and the message of Jesus. Now, I tried really hard this week to have a fantastic Christmas message for you. Because next Sunday we're doing the giveaway, so we're kind of, it's a working Sunday for all of us. And uh, the Lord put a message on my heart, and I said, man, Lord, that's a great message, but it's not a Christmassy message. And I, days after days and days, and even until yesterday, I said, Lord, are you sure? You know, there's a lot of great Christmas stories. He said, this is what I want you to preach. And uh, I said, but and I was praying, and literally, I mean, it wasn't an audible voice, but the Lord said, I'll show you how you connect it to Easter, or to Christmas. And I said, okay. One of the coolest uh, supernatural conversations in history was the conversation between uh, Gabriel and Mary. You remember that story? It's in Luke where the angel appears. You know that story. He appears to her, Hail hey, Mary, full of grace, you're blessed among women, you're going to be the mother of God. And she's, How does that happen? Well, and he explains it and she says, Be it unto me according to the Lord. I just saw my four year old granddaughter, the one, the, the three time by the front, sing and dance her way through. 
Christmas play yesterday. She was an angel and all that. You, you know that story. You know about the angels, you know about the shepherds, you know about Mary and Joseph. You know the story well because we all preach it and teach it every year all of our lives. You know that story. But what we don't often connect with that story is why we have that story to begin with. That was the first supernatural conversation we have in the New Testament. First supernatural conversation between a heavenly being and an earthly being. The next one we have is at the end of Jesus' ministry, and it is the most incredible conversation. And that conversation was what the, the Mary and the angel conversation was all about. We all have the Christmas story, and I know some people, they come to church every Christmas and every Easter, so they know two things about Jesus. He was born, and he was crucified. They don't know anything about the life he lived in between. He made his disciples, and there was one occasion where the ministry was kind of going down. The people were beginning to leave him because, hey, you know, he's saying some strange things. The religious leaders were out trying to plot his death, so the disciples are getting a little nervous. Then Jesus just keeps turning the heat up to being a follower of Christ. He says, if you want to follow me, you got to take up your cross and die for me daily. And whoever saves his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will save it. And the disciples, I could hear him say, Lord, this is not going to play on social media. We're not going to gather the folks by telling them, you got to give it all up and follow me. And then Jesus hits them with this line in Matthew 16. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew 17. But at the end of Matthew 16, he says this. They're getting kind of nervous. And he says, there are some of you standing here today that will not die before you see the glory of God. And they're kind of okay. And typical Jesus, he throws the, the hand grenade out there and then walks out of the room. There are some of you here today who will not die until you see the glory of God. He didn't say all of you are going to see the glory of God. He said some of you are going to see the glory of God before you die. And I'm sure they chewed on that and discussed what it might mean. And then chapter 17 is where we're going today. So if you have your Bibles, open them or tap them, however you get to them. But stay with me in this and we'll have the verses on the screen. So he tells that story. Some of you are going to see the glory of God before you die. They don't know what that means. Oh, and he just got through telling them, I have to go to Jerusalem and die and rise from the dead. The rise from the dead part went right over their head because uh, the zealots wanted him to be a political activist. The, the theologians wanted him to take care of the, the Jewish leaders. Everybody was, had their idea of Jesus. And then he drops his idea, I'm going to die, going to Jerusalem to die. So here we pick it up, verse 1. Six days later, so a week later, Jesus took Peter and his two brothers, James and John, and led them up on a high mountain to be alone. Now, the mountain was probably on the north side of Jerusalem. If you go there, the highest mountain in the air is Mount Miron, M-E-R-O-N. You can go there today. You can Google it. You can do a 360. I mean, it's a 4,000-foot mountain. So we got some of those around here in the foothills. So you can imagine the view if you've ever been up to the top of Horsetooth. That's the kind of view they were looking at. So it's Jesus, Peter, James, and John. On. In your notes or your ideas, who's your inner circle? Who are those two or three people that you hang with, that you talk with, that you pray with, that when your life goes great, you say, hey, let's go celebrate. And when your life is going bad, you go, hey, I need a friend. Who is that? Jesus had 12 disciples and a whole lot more outside of that. But in the 12, he had three, Peter, James, and John. They were his first chosen disciples, and they were his closest friends. And on many occasions, he took those three special aside to see things. And this time, it's the most special event of the day. It's the only miracle of Jesus that happened to him, not to people. 
It's the only miracle where it was for the benefit of the disciples and he was transformed. So Peter, James, and John are up there and they were Jesus. And where are we going, Lord? Where are we going to go? We're going to pray and I can hear the conversations. Verse 2. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed. Uh, transform, the Greek for that is metamorphosis or metamorphos. He was changed. He was still Jesus, but he wasn't the Jesus they saw going up the mountain. It was a glorified, bright Jesus. And, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all describe it this way. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as light. And suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. This is called the Mount, of, the Mount of Transfiguration. This is that moment. Nobody had seen the glory of Jesus. They'd seen the miracles, walking on the water, all those cool things. They'd heard him teach. They'd seen him out talk and out argue the greatest theologians. But they had never seen this glory of God, this supernatural, unusual thing. And so Jesus takes them up there. And like, like I say, Matthew talks about it. Mark talks about it. Luke gives us the most detail. And John talks about it in John 1.14 where John says, We beheld his glory, and it was the glory of God. And then Peter talks about it at the end of his life, Second Peter chapter 2. He says, I saw the glory of the Lord, and I know the things that I'm telling you are true. What you're about to see in here is one of those stories that you either go, wow, that's way out there, or it's, it's, it's godlike. I'm, I'm fully convinced that it's godlike. So his face is shining, his clothes are glowing, and suddenly Moses and Elijah are there. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it is wonderful for us to be here. Let's build three memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I am looking forward to going to heaven because I'm going to ask one of these guys, can I get the rest of the conversations up there? I mean, God gives us the short version. Can you imagine Jesus is there, Peter, James, and John? He said, what are we going to do, Lord? And he says, okay, watch this. Suddenly he starts glowing, you know, which with our, all of our technology today, we can copy it. But 2,000 years ago, there wasn't anything close. The closest they could compare it to was the brightness of lightning, the brightness of the sun. And Mark says, no bleach on earth has ever gotten cloth this white. I mean, they're just, it's just, <gasps> Peter, James, and John saw it. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all talking about it. And then John writes about it, and then Peter writes about it at the end of his life. So this was a giant supernatural moment in their lives. And he's glowing, and they're just, <gasps> and all of a sudden, here's two other guys. And they're there. And Jesus had to have introduced them because Peter says, we need to build a temple for you and for Moses and for Elijah. So in the conversation, Jesus is glowing, and here's these two guys, and they're stunned. Uh, the, the disciples, and I hear Jesus saying, uh, Moses, Elijah, these are my friends, Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, John, this is Moses, and this is Elijah. Here had to be the look. I mean, there was no video, there was no picture, there were no paintings, there were no frescoes of these guys, just legendary stories of Moses leading the Exodus. And it was Moses who went up and down Mount Sinai so many times you couldn't count them all, talking to the Lord, talking to Jesus about what he had to do. That's how we know all this stuff. How did Moses know when he wrote the creation story of Genesis that the world was formless and void and that it was covered with water and all these things? No way you would know that except that the Son of God who created all things had told him 3,500 years ago, this is what happened. And now our scientists are saying, this is what happened. We go, oh, yeah, thanks. That confirms what God said 3,500 years ago. 
The Moses and Jesus were tight. Elijah and Jesus were tight. Elijah didn't die. He was the guy that was caught up in a chariot of fire and went into heaven. So these, these guys represent Moses as the law and Elijah as the prophets. The law predicted the Messiah. The prophets preached the Messiah. And now you have Jesus as fulfillment of the Messiah. So this is a giant moment. And Peter, like all of us, I'm like, could you hear it? You know, this is Peter. This is Elijah. And you know, hear, what's up? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> You're really Moses? You're really Elijah? Elijah, you called down the fire. Yep. What was it like? Hot. <laughs> I don't know what all they talked about. And Luke gives us a little glimpse of it. Because right here, he just says, Matthew just says, and they were talking to Jesus. Luke chapter 9 tells us they were talking to him about his leaving this earth. And the Greek word for that is his exodus. Moses is talking to Jesus about his exodus. Elijah is there. Twofold purpose here. One is Jesus has got to face the worst week of his life, and it's right around the corner. And he knows what that's going to be. He's glorified. He's shining in the brightness of light. And he's about to go through the worst moments. And there's Moses and Elijah, Mr. Old Testament guys. And they're saying, it's all right, Lord. This is your plan. It's always been your plan. Hang in there. You're doing it exactly right. So it's there for encouragement. But it's also there for the disciples because the ministry is going down and less and less people are following Jesus and he's not doing all the miracle signs and wonders. And so they're thinking what's happened. And Jesus said, fellas, it's not about the here and now. It's about life after life. You know, we're all going to die someday. How many of you know that? Say I. Okay. We all know it. But how few people really think about what happens on the other side of life? Is there life after life? I mean, what happens when we die? And there's only three prevailing ideas. One is atheism, which is the smallest held opinion in, in the world. And that says there is no God. There's no heaven, no hell, no good, no bad. You just live your life. You die and it's over. No reward for a great life. No punishment for a bad life. No connection with anything supernatural. It's all chance. And that's it. That's atheism. And hardly anybody believes it. But some do. And some people believe the world is still flat also. And some people believe that we didn't land on the moon. And some people think Elvis is still alive. So, I mean, you can't stop people from believing what they choose to believe. But that's option. That's door number three, I'll call it. Door number two would be the Eastern religions, Hinduism, and all the spinoffs of that. And that is that when we die, we're reincarnated. We come back as something maybe better, maybe worse. But we don't know who we were. So we don't know if who we are is better than what we were or less. So there's this constant recycling of life. But you never know where you're at. That's door number two. Door number one, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Well, how do we know what's going on is really real? This is Moses. This is Elijah. And Moses was still Moses, and Moses has been dead 1,400 years. In fact, it was Jesus who buried Moses. And Deuteronomy says he took him to the mountain, showed him the promised land, says, there it is, Moses. And Moses says, wow, that is beautiful. He says, yes, it is, but you don't get to go in. Why? You remember your temper? Ah, oh, yeah, remember that. So there it is. Just wanted you to see it. Moses dies, and it says the Lord buried Moses. Nobody knows where, but we know he's been dead for 1,400 years. And yet here he is, Moses, in the supernatural, life after life. Moses was still Moses after 1,400 years. Elijah had been dead or gone for 900 years, but he was still Elijah. What God is telling you and me is there is life after life. Do not buy into that. No, there's no heaven or hell, no nothing. You die and you become wormwood. That's a terrible idea. That takes the point. Everything is pointless. And don't think that you just keep coming back as something else, but you never know. That's pointless. 
but follow the one who said, look, here's the glorified me. This is Moses, and he's still Moses. This is Elijah, and he's still Elijah. So you are who you are after you die for the rest of eternity. There is life after life. Let me hear you say life after life. life. Do you like that idea? That's the good news of Christmas. It wasn't about a baby in a manger or the angels singing. It was about us getting connected with God so that we could have life after life and know for sure we had it. Peter, James, and John, oh, this is amazing. And Peter, this is, I mean, this is incredible, Lord. Let's make memorials. Let's do something. And Luke goes and says, parenthetically, he didn't know what he was saying. He's, he's so goofy. He doesn't, he's just Peter. You know, this is the moment. We got to do something. And, and Luke says, he didn't know what he was saying. I'm sure Peter paid the price for that through his preaching ministry. Yeah, you want to build a temple for all. Well, it's the right thing to do. I mean, this is special. We need to memor memorialize this. So that's when it happens. So life after life, you are who you are. You will be who you are. You get this glorified body. Uh, Jesus was glowing, but Luke says that the, uh, Moses and Elijah also had a glory about them, but not the brightness that Jesus had. But all three were in this supernatural state. And then when Peter says, oh, let's build temples for everybody, that's when this cloud appears. The Bible says, uh, verse, verse 5, even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. What is the next three words? One more time. You got the right answer. One more time. Louder. Louder. Thank you. Thank you very much. God did not say, This is Moses and Elijah and Jesus. Listen to them. They'd already listened to Moses. He gave the law. They had been obeying Moses for centuries. They had already heard the writings and the messages of Elijah the prophet. But God is saying, this is my son, the center of the universe, the creator of all things, the guy who communicated with Moses, the guy who allowed fire to fall for Elijah. Listen to him. Do not listen to the world. Do not listen to the enemies. Do not listen to the religious leaders. Do not listen to all the various ideas. He said, listen to him. This is a cloud and this is the voice of God. And the Bible says that they were terrified. Peter, James, and John, they see the glorified Jesus. That's all right because he's still Jesus. He's our friend. So we knew you were special, but boy, this, this sign seals the deal. And Moses and Elijah and then you know, let's build a place for him. And then God said, you're missing the point, Peter. This is about Jesus, not about Moses, not about Elijah. Just wanted you to see there is life after life. Listen to my son. This is my son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. How many of you ever heard that from your fathers? How many of you ever heard your dad say, my son, my daughter, I love you. I'm proud of you. And I'm glad you're mine. I am, I am thrilled to be your dad. God in heaven several times announces his proudness of his son, and he does it here. And the world, is, and there's, the guys are terrified. Now, God didn't speak very often. He did in the Old Testament. Do you know the first giving of the Ten Commandments was not Moses? Everybody thinks it was Moses with the Ten Tablets coming down. God had already said it. 
The people had gathered at Mount Sinai. God said, keep them away. I've got a special surprise for them. <laughs> Fire comes down, smoke on top of the mountain, and the voice of God booms out these Ten Commandments. Because the people have been saying, hey, you're going up and down talking to God. We want to talk to Him. And God said, they want to talk to me? All right. Tell them to go right here and stay put. They do. And the voice of God speaks. And the people, you think Peter, James, and John fell face down. The whole nation fell face down, scared to death. And the leaders came and said to Moses, hey, from now on, you talk to God. Come back and tell us what he says. We got the message, smoke and fire on the mountains and that. We got it. But you talk to him from now on. And they hear God is speaking to Peter, James, and John. Boom. <gasps> They're scared to death because, I mean, this is just, I mean, this is a, I mean, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So you wonder, what is God like? You look at Jesus. But God is still the creator of all things. And his voice is booming and they're terrified. And then suddenly the cloud is gone. And here's the first commandment, verse 7. Jesus came over and touched the disciples. And he said, get up, don't be afraid. Let me hear you say, get up, don't be afraid. These three men have just been in a supernatural moment. They're scared to death. The cloud is there. They're face down. They hear God saying, look, I love Jesus. Trust him. Listen to him. Do what he says. And then cloud's gone. They look and it's only Jesus and it's regular Jesus, not glorified Jesus. And they are terrified and he knows that and he walks over and he touches them. He says, get up. Don't be afraid. There is life after life. There is a supernatural existence that is out there. I wanted you to see this and experience this. You're going to need it. And by the way, don't tell anybody what you've just seen. How would you like that? You just had a moment with God and you're walking down the hill. Lord, how did that happen? How did you do that? Not important how I did it. How did you get Moses there? I've known Moses a long time. But Elijah, he's really Elijah. He was, he's quiet, but he's really, I mean, he's a guy. Yes, yes, they're all good. But look, don't tell anybody until after I've risen from the dead. Till after you what? Till, till after I've risen from the dead. Okay. And Luke tells us they didn't tell a soul. But they talked about it often between themselves, Peter, James, and John. How can you, I mean, you have a moment like that. You want to go back and tell your closest friends, you're not going to believe what we saw on the mountain. It was Jesus and Moses and Elijah. Oh, yeah, sure. What were you smoking on the mountaintop? <laughs> Rocky Mountain High. No, no, no. They, did, they didn't tell a soul. They hadn't been fasting for 40 days. They hadn't been sitting under a lotus tree waiting for some divine revelation. They were just four buddies hiked up the mountain. Jesus is glorified. Moses, Elijah, were voice of God heading back down the mountain. And you wonder, how do these guys have such boldness to get whipped and beaten and imprisoned and beheaded and hung upside down and executed and thrown to the light? How did Peter, James, and John died some pretty rough deaths? John lived the longest, but it wasn't an easy life for him. How did they do that. They have seen the glory of God. Peter writes about it in 2 Peter. He says, I've seen the glory. I've, I've, I've seen it. I know it. You can't take it away from me. And I'll do whatever I have because I know where I'm going and I know there's life after life and Jesus is Lord of that life. That's good news. Woo. They come down the mountain and walk back into a bunch of problems. I mean, they had, you know, demon-possessed people and issues, but Peter, James, and John were never the same because they had seen the glorified God. He said, why doesn't Jesus do that for all of us? Because you were saved by faith. God wants you to see that, read it, hear it, know it, go, okay, you know, this is such a crazy story. If it was a fable or made up, it would not have lasted 
it was 25 years later, 20 years before the Gospels would be actually written down. What were they going to do for 20 years? Running around everywhere, preaching it, teaching it, telling these stories. If this was not real, it would have been debunked and you'd have never seen it or heard it. I mean, it's not listed as fable or anything like that. Now, people today go, oh, I don't believe that. I, you know, you're an atheist. Well, you know what? 100, 200 years ago, nobody believed that there was a whole world out there called microbiology. There's little particles crawling around inside of you. We're all living little squiggly things of this and that. Oh, no, you're kidding. Yes. And suddenly we have the eyes to see it. <gasps> Look at the world of microbiology. Atomic explosions. We get an atomic microscope. <gasps> There's a whole smaller world than the microbiological world. In the last 50 years, the Hubble telescope has showed us, wow, this, the, the universe is not what we thought. The universe is going and going and going and going. But we didn't know that until God gave us lenses to discover it. We don't know what this life after life is and where it is, except what Jesus tells us. But like God said, this is my son, Jesus. I'm really happy with him. Listen to what he says. So we trust Jesus. We read the New Testament and we do what it says. You don't have to worry about, well, what am I going to be? Am I going to be six foot, four foot? If I'm crippled now, am I going to be crippled in my new body? You're going to be a new, perfect, and glorified body designed the way you were genetically wired by God to be. Your life will go on and on. Moses is 1,400 years old, and he's still Moses. Elijah is 900 years old, and he's still Elijah. Remember the last verse in the, the Amazing Grace, when we've been there Bright, shining as the sun, just like this. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. My scientific friends go, you mean to tell me? I said, no, I would never mean to tell you that. God does. I'm just the messenger. You know, the problem with scientists, they want to put God in the, in the science room. That's the wrong place for God. He belongs in the courtroom. God doesn't belong in the science room. You're not going to weigh him or test him or get an atomic number for him. Put him in the courtroom. Weigh the evidence. Look at the witnesses. Look at the stories. You are the judge of your soul. And you decide, you know what? This is so incredible. Either it's the greatest hoax of all time, or he is the son of God, and he knows Moses and Elijah, and all the stuff that he said would come true is coming true. Jesus Christ he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ. No man comes to the Father except through Him. You see, well, there are a lot of world religions out there. Hinduism was alive and well when this was going. It was in Jerusalem. It was in the Roman world. It was in the Hindu world. It was been around a long time. Jesus said, no, let me tell you what's really like. This is my glorified body. Here's Moses. Here's Elijah. I could bring everybody else. Do you want me to bring the whole crew in? No, that's enough. Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. He says, good. This is what you're looking forward to. There is life after life. Trust me. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to fly, where you're going to manage and all that. Just trust me. Live your life in its fullest until the Lord brings you home. And the other commandment he gave the disciples, you know, the one that I forgot to tell you about, was get up and don't be afraid. When that moment hits in your life and you recognize that pain in your head is probably one of those aneurysms that's been there all your life and it just exploded and you're going down, Jesus said, don't be afraid. You've seen there is life after life. When that heart attack hits and maybe yours is the widow maker and you're going down in the middle of nowhere and you know it, this is the one I've read about. Yep, it is. Don't be afraid. When that car crash hits, don't be afraid. 
You know who you are. You've trusted Jesus. You have eternal life. To live is Christ. To die is gain. It was Jesus who said, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. I keep a list of uh, times that I almost died or should have died. Right now, the number is 15. The last one was January of this year. It was uh, in a situation. You know, I'm, that's not the one I want to tell you about, but there's a bunch of them. When we go to lunch someday, I'll run through the list with you. But one of them was 15 years ago. I'd been up hiking in uh, Yosemite, solo hiking for a week, having a fine time. Came down, had an early flight, took the car, the rental car, filled it up with gas, was hurrying to the airport, got out on the road, turned around, crossed this railroad track. And as soon as I hit the railroad track, train came by and hit my car. I was in the, in the, on the track. It blew, hit right. It was one of those little Plymouth ugly ones. PT Cruiser, yeah. Uh, I hope nobody has a PT Cruiser, but it's a fine car. Anyway, I'm hurrying, and all of a sudden, boom, it blows it out. And this train is by my glass going, just scraping by the car. And I'm banged up. And I mean, it's just a split second. I don't know. And I realize I've just been hit by a train. And uh, I'm sitting there in the car and thinking, okay, toes, knees, thighs, hips, stomach, everything. Oh, that hurts. Ah, that hurts. And they come running up, and the fight policeman comes, and you're all right. And I said, well, I, I guess I can't, I doubt, so crawled out of the back of it. And bless her heart, the lady driving the train, it was a commuter train in San Jose, she was, she was screaming, she was crying. Because what she saw was my face, you know, her train hitting my face. You know, I didn't even see the train. I was just stupid me. And that's about as close as I've come to dying that I know of. Maybe there's others that I didn't. Wait till I get to Evans. Oh, no, that wasn't anywhere close to your closest. <laughs> but anyway, I got out and I realized, wow, you can be gone that fast. Wasn't any time to pray. Wasn't any time to say, Lord Jesus, I am the thief on the And the policeman says, man, buddy, you're lucky. One more foot into the intersection, into the train track, and you would have been T-boned and, and killed. I said, I'd say blessed. He said, well, yeah, I'd say blessed, lucky, whatever you want to call it. I said, blessed. Got out and ended up coming home yeah, just for the fun of it. Julie picks me up at the airport. I get in the car. She said, what happened? I said, nothing. Driving out, she said, no, something happened. What happened? Because I didn't call her. I called my insurance man. I said, what do I do? And he said, we'll take care of it. So we're driving out. She goes, honey, something happened. I know you. I said, nothing happened. We're going to a football game. And I said, well, all right, something, a little something happened. <laughs> Told her the story. <gasps> and she kept the keys to the PT Cruiser, still has them today. I just, again, that was, I have 15 of those. That was like number 11 or whatever. But he said, why do you keep those? I guess it's God's way of reminding me I'm not immortal. My body's going to die, but there is life after life. And when this body gets taken down, whatever way it is, and I hope it's a good way. I hope it's, you know, falling in the, off a cliff while hiking or getting attacked by a bear while fishing or so, something glorious. You know, I don't want to just be, you know, some texting teenager runs over me while I'm crossing the street. You know, how did he die? A teenager got him driving a car. So, oh, man, Lord of all the ways. <laughs> I'm looking forward to meeting my angel. Hey, you're the one. Yep. When I was two. Yep. Four. Yep. Twelve. Yep. Sixteen. Yep. Fifteen. Yep. Yeah. When you had the railroad. Yep. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Now, where is he? There is life after life. To live is Christ. To die is gain. You don't have to be afraid of dying. If you get to live 100 years, praise God. If you're scheduled to leave here 32 years, praise God. If it's 57, doesn't matter. Jesus' disciples were scared to death, and he touched them. They said, get up. Don't be afraid. I got you.
There is life after life, and Jesus is Lord of it. Amen? Amen. And that's the rest of the Christmas story.